As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, Tuesday, June 15th. Michael Beller, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley here with you on the app, on YouTube, on any podcast app that you prefer. We're bringing it to you in every way possible here as we get ever closer to fantasy football draft season in earnest. Guys, uh, I am in the middle of my second Best ball draft of the summer. I try to start one as each one, as the previous one, is ending. It's a great way to keep up with how ADP is changing. You guys getting involved in any best ball, anything early like that? What are you guys up to so far? A handful of mock drafts. Not not legit best ball, play them out in a best ball fashion kind of a deal. But, uh, yeah, I've uh, I've kind of been swimming around in some drafts, so feeling uh, – feeling grounded in terms of the landscape so far <laughs> uh probably i'm already close to 10 i don't even know anymore not best ball yet though that's the problem well no the two dynasty ones i did with uh donkey teeth and those guys over at Razball. those are both best ball fortunately that was the only way Jake, i was going to do them I, dynasty best ball <laughs> i saw a tweet from you yesterday uh patting yourself on the back for what looked like a pretty good draft you had Oh, that was another. Yeah, that was actually for the Football Diehards magazine, which everybody will have to, you know, go check out, support them. Congratulations to Emil finally getting the Hall of Fame. But yeah, that was another yeah. one yesterday that we did. And I did, ha- I did that one S at stops in the car, but I had my cue ready to go. I was actually in the car for part of it. <laughs> there was actually a pick uh, I missed. I-, I will say that. Don't, don't do it because there was one player that looking back, I didn't realize was still there because I didn't have my draft board to cross out names as a bonus. Uh-huh. So, um, did you want? Did you want to know? Is that what you're asking, Beller? Yeah. Like, who who was it? Who was it? And who did you take instead of that? Well, person? so the draft, the way that it was going, uh, I went two running backs, two wide receivers, took a third running back in round five, and then round six came around. Chark was still there, and I might have considered this person even at Chark. So round seven, Dak was still on the board. I'm just like, God, mm-hmm. this is stupid. This is why industry leagues are like kind of fun at the same time. Yeah. Like Dak. Pre- so I took <laughs> Dak Prescott, not really realizing Odell Beckham was still on the board. Who? Yeah, it would have been my fourth wide receiver. Uh, On the turn coming back, I got Curtis Samuel. 
So it's kind of looking at that like not what, bad. Right. Would I rather have Odell Beckham and Aaron Rodgers who went right after that pick, or would I rather have Dak Prescott and Curtis Samuel like ended up? I'd probably go Rodgers and Odell Beckham, but you know, those are the kind of things that happen mm-hmm. when you're in the car. I'd go yeah, the other way. Like I'd go the other way. So, you know, it's You'd rather have Dak na- and Samuel? Yep, I think so. I, I think this. I think I would too, because of the Dak factor. Yeah. Uh, see, uh, it's not even so much. Uh, it's the upside of, and that's a huge if if Odell Beckham is healthy. I mean, yeah. Odell Beckham as my fourth yeah. wide receiver. I mean, I, I I definitely understand the Dak factor, but it wasn't the fact that you know Aaron. Team Dak to throw four hundred yards a game like he did. Last <laughs> well, year, I so. just, we're also like, what are we expecting from Aaron Rodgers? Is that absolutely like uh, you know some. Him not I don't playing care. for a is while it, wait, is wait. a thing. That's what I was going to ask you, Brent. Are you are you saying that because you don't know if he's playing come week one, or you don't know where? Because I don't care where he is; he's still going to be the next quarterback oh, yeah. off the board, like, for, like I, yeah. number six. If he goes to Denver, which you know, let's be honest, is there anybody else in play besides Denver if he's not playing in Green Bay? Like, is there? like that's it like at this it. point. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there is. So if he's in Denver, I don't really change him a whole lot from, uh, you know, being in Green Bay. But there you could, could be argue an uptick. It could be a very late kind of like trade because they've played chicken all the way to the the regular season, and then they're making a trade, mm-hmm. and maybe it's a, you know, it's a few weeks before things kind of settle. So I just think there's enough of a difference or a worry there that I might just take the certainty of Dak Prescott and. Which I don't know if Curtis Samuel's a huge downgrade from Odell. We're, I guess we can talk about Odell, um, but yeah, let's jump. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's jump right into Odell here with uh, Jarvis Landry making uh, <laughs> the comments that he made earlier this week. We have 18 teams opening up their mandatory mini camps. Of course, not everyone will be participating in those mandatory mini camps. Jamal Adams, Funston, we uh, learned uh, mm-hmm. just before we started this show that he is not at Seattle's mandatory mini camp, which. I don't think it was too much of a surprise to any of us who follow that situation, but 18 more opening this week. We're going to take a look at some of those teams that have opened this week. We had a few last week. We have four teams who aren't having any. Uh, They're not going to get together until training camp, but uh, 18 teams that opened this week and three of those being teams in the AFC North. want to look at all three of those teams. Let's start with Cleveland. Jarvis Landry, no surprise, saying that Odell Beckham, Looks amazing. Looks like he can do everything that he could do before the knee injury and then some. Right now, NFFC ADP pegs OBJ as wide receiver 30. These are in drafts conducted just since last week. I narrowed the window to June 7th through today. So we're still looking at a uh, we're looking at a, a recent window here. But 16 drafts, that's a decent enough uh, number to look at here. Again, wide receiver 30, 73.13 overall. At the wide receiver position, sandwiched in between Juju and, as you said, Jake, DJ Chark. So, what's the argument? What, what's the upside argument for OBJ here? Are you going to May first, or yeah. uh, Brandon was jumping in. So you, no, you, you he went said to this yeah, no, he, thing. He, he said Jake, so I just let. Yes, yeah, see, but yeah. I don't know if that was the Jake is in like comparison to my <laughs> that was draft, a or was Jake. that just a, that was a leading uh, I, Jake? I, I didn't tell the difference between the two. So, <laughs> all right, so fine, but the. the the appeal of Odell Beckham is if he's healthy, you know, whether or not Jarvis Landry is saying he looks great. I mean, everybody looks great at this point of the season. Everybody's in the best shape mm-hmm, of their life. Mm-hmm. We do this every single year and we roll our eyes at it every yes, single we year. We don't need to know that <laughs> yes, about should. Odell Beckham, though. We just <laughs> we just know Odell Beckham at 100 percent is still a top 10 talent. Uh, whether or not he can get even back to 100 percent is a big question because, you know, what's 100 percent now after multiple injuries? Mm-hmm. But. At what's the worst case? If Odell Beckham plays 16 games, worst case, he's top 20? I just He's that good. And you yeah. saw who Jarvis Landry, by the way, is going into ridiculous value still right now. In his worst season, he just finished his wide receiver 36 while 
being banged up a little bit himself and also not playing mm-hmm. with Odell Beckham for this season and being drawing all that coverage out there. So I think that Landry's a value, Odell Beckham for that value of where he's going. is Now the injury is baked in where everybody was still taking him as like a wide receiver one in the past because we knew the upside. The upside hasn't changed. So I think that's what it comes down to. It's just the fact that if we knew Odell Beckham was healthy for 16 games, there's no way he's making it out of the top 15 wide receivers. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think we're still viewing him a little bit too much in the New York Giants lens. I mean, like the 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 relationship with Big Ray, the you know, the, he's seen a lot of targets in Cleveland, but the catch percentage is way down. Now we're talking about a guy who's, who's in his late twenties with injury history, and we know this is probably going to be the most run heavy team in the league. And they also, you know, haven't. Baker Mayfield, not huge. You know, is he? Does he got a 30, 35 touchdown pass season in him? I don't know that he does, but I just, I'm worried about the injuries. I'm worried about the offense. I'm worried about where he's at in his career arc. Um, and I, I don't think he has top 15 upside anymore if, if the stars aligned in, in this offense. So I would personally rather have Jarvis Landry. You mentioned Jarvis Landry is a ridiculous value. And he was the guy I loved going into last year because he never got hurt. He never missed a game. He finally missed a game, but he had the hip surgery and was dealing with that all year and played through it, had some other ailment that was going on. But the only thing that made him miss a game was COVID, you know, like that he was kind of forced out of action. Otherwise, he would have been out there. The guy never misses games. And I think at the value, I think I would easily rather have Jarvis Landry, who I think ends up maybe really close to Odell in terms of production. Hey, not in terms of style of play, but uh, Jarvis Landry, Anquan Bolden. There's some. I feel like there's some parallels there between with the never misses a game, not a superstar, but always gives you what he gives you. A little bit underappreciated as he's gotten a little bit older. I feel like there's uh, there's some similarity between those two guys, and maybe that plays to Jarvis Landry's benefit this season. Odell Beckham, we did see his worst full season his first year in a Browns uniform, so we have an idea of maybe what that looks like. Uh, 2019, 74 catches. 1,035 yards, four touchdowns. He was wide receiver 25 in half AD, a, half PPR. I'm getting all my acronyms mixed up. Half PPR leagues that season. I think that is uh, is a decent uh, facsimile for what his worst season, what a worst case full season looks like for Odell Beckham this year. So I do think at wide receiver 30, he's a little bit undrafted. I mentioned the guys who were going right in front of him, right after him. Uh, We've got Juju Smith-Schuster just in front of him, and we've got DJ Chark just after him. If we look at the entire wide receiver position, just the guys in that neighborhood expand the lens a little bit. Ahead of Juju, you've got Chase Claypool, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk. Behind Odell and Chark, you've got Cortland Sutton, Robbie Anderson, Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd. Uh, Jake, we'll go to you first on this one. Uh, since you're bullish on Odell, is there anyone else ahead of him you like him better than, better than Juju, Claypool, Higgins, Ayuk, Cooper Cup, Kenny Galladay, that group of guys? Mm, not, not Kenny Galladay, but you know that's a coin flip for me. Same kind of with Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, we we're all excited for Matthew Stafford, but there's no guarantee it's not Robert Woods who benefits more than Cup does. But I mean, it should be good for both of them. But mm-hmm. there was a real connection of Cup and Jared Goff since day one that they were together. So I think Odell Beckham with Galladay with Cup and that same conversation, and then pretty much ahead of the rest. You know, I like Brandon Ayuk as much as the next guy, and you can look at my draft profile for him, but. You're still talking about a healthy Debo and a healthy Kittle. That's just an offensive like that. That's a lot to ask, you know, Ayuk to get on that level. So he would kind of be in that next tier. I would take him before DJ Chark, who I took again. I already said that at the beginning. And I'm a DJ. You guys know I love DJ Chark. You are are the DJ Chark guy, I would say. (laughs) 
Sutton coming off the injury, the Steelers outside of Deontay Johnson. I know everybody's raving about Ben Roethlisberger. looks like the best shape of his life. Well, since five years ago or something like that. But, you know, uh, I, I think that he's it's that's a fair group to put him in. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take him ahead of most of those guys. We're going to transition to the Steelers in a second. But, uh, Brandon, since you're bearish on Odell, the guys after him, Chark, Sutton, Robbie Anderson, Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd, anyone you want to put ahead of him? Um. No, I think I, I think I would take all those. I think they're close. I mean, you start talking about Claypool and Ayuk, you're talking about guys that also could be limited in terms of volume mm-hmm. based upon the situations they're in. So, but then I might opt just opt for the the younger guys that are a little bit more vital, don't have the the most recent injury history. So, I think I'm going to keep him where he's at. In fact, I have him ranked, I think, 33 at wide receiver. So I'm a little bit below even ADP on him. Um, so yeah, I would, I would take those other guys, but you know, talking about Claypool, talk about Juju, I guess I, you know, we're going to, as you mentioned, we'll talk about the Pittsburgh situation because we've seen Ben Ross, Ross, come off an injury and throw over 600 passes yeah. last year. We don't know if that's going to be the case in the Matt Canada world. Exactly. Well, thank you for that excellent transition. We use that as the peg. The Steelers, one of their one of the teams opening up their mandatory mini camp this week, and it's a new offensive coordinator for Ben Roethlisberger. Matt Canada, his first year as the Steelers' offensive coordinator this year, a guy who has been a journeyman through the college ranks before taking over as the Steelers' quarterbacks coach. Last season, uh, Ben, in one way or another, has had Randy Fickner by his side since 2010. He hasn't had to learn an entirely new offense since Todd Haley's first year in Pittsburgh in 2012. So this is a new look for a guy who is, you know, 38 years old, has a big-time injury history. We saw what happened to that team last season after, what, were they like 10-0 and or something, 9-0, and before yeah. they took their first loss? And then from that point forward, looked like one of the most beatable teams in the NFL, get bounced relatively easily in the first round of the playoffs by the Browns. Uh, what do we make of this offense coming into the 2021 season? I guess most specifically, what do we make of the passing game? Everyone's very excited about Najee Harris and the volume that he's expected to get in Pittsburgh. But I think when you look at Roethlisberger, you look at these three receivers, you look at a um, untested offensive coordinator who's installing an entirely new system. We don't really have a good handle on what this passing game is going to look like, do we, Jake? No, and we can go back, though, and we can draw a parallel to Eli Manning, who late in his career Mm -hmm. had a switch like this. And all the reports at the time were understanding that if you look at the history of quarterbacks late into their career going through an offensive scheme change like this, take a few weeks. It actually took Eli a good four to six weeks to really get into the flow of things. So if you have that and you draw that parallel to Ben Roethlisberger, even if Roethlisberger is better physically than he was last year, you still have to incorporate that concern. And you guys know how much I love Deontay Johnson, but I still only have him. And he's the first Steelers wide receiver. I still only have him in wide receiver 25 because of that. Because you have Roethlisberger acclimating to a new system. Does that hurt the passing game? or is he, Does he basically show like most every other quarterback into their 30s this late of switching offenses? Unless you're Tom Brady and you can do whatever the hell you want. Um, but outside of <laughs> that, also with – yeah. <laughs> also add balance to the offense with the Najee Harris conversation and not throw the ball 600 times. And I just think you talking about, and we're not even talking about Brent Roethlisberger for drafting him for fantasy, but I think you do downgrade the wide receivers a little bit as a whole. I know there's been a lot of talk about how much better Juju Smith-Schuster is in play action than with not. And you bring that back this year, but again, is he going to throw the ball 600 times? Yeah, I think we'd take the under and then are the 600 times 
even like Matt Ryan level throwing it 600 times. So I think that having them between the wide receiver 25 to 35 range seems like the the real happy medium there. Yeah, I I, mean, I mostly agree with that. And it kind of sounds like, you know, if you just read into what the offense might look like, sort of sounds like a Kyle Shanahan type of offense where you're running running power running game and you're you're moving wide receivers jet sweeps and motions and working them across the field and stuff like that and it kind of feels like that's the way every team is wanting to go right now or at least a lot of them I know in Seattle that's a lot of the talk as well so um yeah, I think that's going to, as Jake said, is going to limit the upside. We're not going to see the 600 passes, I don't think. And that's with an extra game. I still don't think you're going to get to 600 passes in the 17-game season. And, you know, they're going to be intent on using Najee Harris a lot more and a lot more effectively than what they've seen the last couple of years out of James Conner. And, uh, ooh, that's Snell. <laughs> ooh, that's Snell. Love a good Leonard ooh, Skinner ooh, reference. Uh, um, <laughs> our our uh, Steelers beat writer, Mark Cabali, uh, has been around this team for a long time. One of the longest tenured Steelers beat writers you're going to be able to find. He's got a great story on this up on The Athletic right now. And he also uh, tweeted out a juicy quote right before we got going from Matt Canada himself saying, we're going to do whatever Ben wants to do. So take that for what it's worth on June 15th. One more AFC North team I want to talk about here is the Baltimore Ravens. We actually got into this team a little bit last week uh, talking about Lamar Jackson taking more snaps under center this season than he has to this point of his career. Got me thinking a little bit about this team's wide receivers. We know that Marquise Brown, of course, still there, hasn't quite hit the level that we wanted from him. They used the 27th overall pick on Minnesota's Rashad Bateman. They signed Sammy Watkins. Miles Boykin is still lurking around doing whatever Miles Boykin might do. And this team, when you throw Bateman into the mix, has used four picks in the last three drafts, uh, in the first three rounds on wide receivers. Last three drafts, first three rounds, four wide receivers have been drafted. So clearly they, they are making an investment in getting the ball to their wide receivers more. Whether they are able to do it remains to be seen. I will say that it feels like there's a buying opportunity here when you look at these guys' ADPs. Again, these are since June 7th. You've got uh, Marquise Brown at wide receiver 40, just inside the top 100. Rashad Bateman's at wide receiver 59, pick 154 overall. And then Sammy Watkins way down at wide receiver 83. A am I crazy or does it feel like at least one of those guys has got to outperform his ADP significantly? Is that is that a right way to look at this, Brandon? I guess. I mean, it's just, I mean, who is it? And again, you have to kind of believe in a, that you can teach an old dog and Greg Roman new tricks yes. and, and that, you know, that Lamar Jackson is going to be a proficient downfield passer. Um, and so I think they're going to, I mean, I think they've gotten a lot of flack for the offense that they've run. It's been so run heavy. It's been sort of predictable, especially predictable when you get into the playoffs. Lamar Jackson's four games in the playoffs is averaging like 13 points per game where that offense has been during the regular season pushing 30 points week in and week out. So look, it's kind of something's got to change. They're throwing talent around it. That's good. But I'm kind of in the believe it when I see it camp about all this because of you know, Greg Roman's lack, his rigidity as, a, as an offensive coordinator, and then Lamar Jackson's, you know, questionable downfield passing acumen. So we'll, we'll see. I, I'm, I think you're right. Somebody will outperform, but kind of putting your finger on who that is is going to be sort of tough. 
And I actually don't, honestly, because <laughs> I said this on another podcast as a guest, and I said, let's do some fun with numbers because it's math. Uh, if mm-hmm. you asked any quarterback to throw the ball 20% more, 20% more, we'd all be like, that's a ridiculous number. That's not happening. Yes. Uh, 20% more would only get Lamar Jackson to 500 pass attempts. That's how ridiculously low this <laughs> offense throws the ball. Threw it for 401 last year, career high. So if you even got the 500, and now you're talking about let's do target shares. Is anybody getting to 20% target share? And even if they did, that's only 100 targets. It's math. And that's my problem with this offense is I love Bateman. I love Lamar Jackson for a fancy purpose. I keep saying if you let him fall to round six, I'm going to gobble him up every single time. But it's funny. Wide receiver 40, you said for Hollywood, I actually, my first run through projections has him at 50. <laughs> Bateman for 59, <laughs> I have him at 69. Watkins for 83, I have him at, no, not 93, 89. But they're all lower than even their ADP yeah. because I, on the one side, I would not be surprised if one gets into the wide receiver three discussion, but I think mm-hmm. it's going to either be Sammy Watkins is completely toast or somebody gets hurt or something happens where it just goes to go right because we still haven't even included Mark Andrews. It's just right. math. Right. It's not going to be 20% for all these guys. It's probably not even going to be 15% for a lot of these guys. Uh, and that's the biggest issue is I actually have Lamar Jackson moving up to 467 pass attempts. Nobody on this team, except for Mark Andrews, gets 100 targets, and Mark Andrews barely tops 100 targets. Yeah, Mark and Andrews by the way, is a competing just, factor for sure. What's up, Brandon? Yeah, just looking at eight years of Greg Roman as offensive coordinator, the highest he's finished in pass attempts for an offense is 29th. So 29th? He's been 30, 29th. Eight, <laughs> eight seasons, 32, 31, 30, and one, 129. That was his high water mark. Oh, my God. How did you pull that God. up so quick? I would have had to go through uh, like team by team. Pro football reference. I just looked uh, up his. Okay. You can look up team ranks. For that is there, so. that is ridiculous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's uh, four four seasons in San Francisco, two in Buffalo, and two in Baltimore. I mean, yeah. you would think that there would be one circumstance where someone would get injured, or he would have a suddenly more pass efficient <laughs> team, or he would have such a bad defense that he's forced to throw. That is, that's crazy. Insane. Yeah, that's crazy. Really wow. So maybe uh, maybe this does uh, beg a Greg Roman question here, because that is just whew, 29 as his high watermark. That is <laughs> well, that is you know, that would actually represent they've been 32 each of the last two years. So yeah, if they get so to 29 this year. Marginal, there you go. marginal gains might mean something <laughs> for these guys. It'll be something Man. that uh, that we watch as uh, as training camp and we get a few exhibition games under our belt a few months from now. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm all right, guys. Let's jump. Uh, let's jump into a uh, little guess that player. What do you think about that? I actually wanted to give a clue off the top, and I forgot about it. I'm going to give you two clues. 
right here. We did this for last week. It was fun. I really want to talk about this guy. So we're definitely going to get it in at the end of the show. Uh, so I got two clues for you. Number uh, the first first clue you know, with Greg Roman talk in our back pocket is that I have a new offensive coordinator this year. So uh, think about these guys. You might have some new offensive coordinators, some of the changes that have been made. Clue number two, I've topped 200 touches once in my four-year career. So it probably leads you to a certain position, 200 touches, but he's only done it once in his four-year career. He also has a new offensive coordinator this season. Let's move over to the AFC East where you have a couple of teams undertaking mandatory minicamp this week. One of those is the New England Patriots. And uh, this team, of course, brings Cam Newton back in free agency, then goes out and drafts Mac Jones. So we've got a uh, palindromic quarterback battle between Cam and Mac. Is this really a competition? I mean, do we should we expect this to be a competition, or is this locked up? No doubt about it. Cam Newton is starting week one, Jake. I I wouldn't say no doubt about it, but I would say unless Cam Newton looks horrible and or misses more time or has an injury or something like that, it's going to be Cam Newton. Whether or not it's Cam Newton for the entire season, I don't think I'd put money on that situation. But we've talked about this before, too, and the COVID and everything that happened last year is Cam Newton admitted himself. It's a lot to come to a new team, come to a playbook and an offense as complicated as Bill Jack can be and miss time. For the pre, the first of all, he missed time. Everybody did in the preseason of trying to learn a lot, and this is why we saw a lot of rookies and people changing teams take a few weeks to get going. We saw some quarterbacks struggle for a good portion of the season, and then he misses time in the middle of the season on top of it, and never seemed to get right. Uh, Cam Newton is going to be the guy unless, like I said, something has to. I don't know. I just talk about like, oh, he had a bad practice today. Like something needs to go <laughs> wrong. He's going to be the week one starter. For fantasy purposes, we can always break that down to another level. But I would bet money on Cam Newton. I, I wouldn't bet money that he's the week seventeen starter. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even really want to talk about New England. I don't. Well, I don't let me really let me care. let me let me cut you off then, Brandon, <laughs> and ask you this: Is if this is some sort of competition, or if it's if it's something that we could safely say is maybe not a pure week one competition, but we wouldn't be surprised if there were some quarterback rumbling, some potential job changes by week four, week five, do we prefer Mac Jones in there over Cam Newton? Cam Newton had a very interesting 2020 season, as you alluded to, Jake, and obviously he had some significant complicating factors. Eight touchdown passes, 10 interceptions. The guy ran for 12 touchdowns and 592 yards and was still just 22nd in points per game at the quarterback position. Not uh, points per game. He was 22nd with 12 rushing touchdowns. I mean, he had a horrendous season through the air. And part of that owes to the just total lack of speed and athleticism that the Patriots had out wide. And they did uh, address that by bringing in Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Johnny Smith, and Hunter Henry. Surprise, surprise, both those guys already dealing with minor injuries (laughs) right now. But, uh, I mean, is this a better fantasy situation if we just have Cam running? Or is it a better situation if we have Mac Jones in there maybe making a little bit of something out of the passing game? Yeah, I think that's it. That's where I was going to go is look at you, you know, hit, I Cam Newton is sort of a crap show throwing the ball, at least last year and, and many times in many seasons that you've watched. He's had a couple good years, but I think for the most part, I'm looking for the upside of the other players. I'm not thinking about the quarterback for my fantasy team. Cam Newton ran last year, and if that's what you get and you get 22nd at quarterback, that's, uh, you know, that's a modest return for a QB two and a Q two QB league. I want Mac Jones with the potential that, 
you know, short area accuracy, maybe somebody, maybe these tight ends unlock for fantasy or the, you know, the running backs uh, in the passing game, maybe James White's a thing again, or just something, because right now I'm looking at this team and I don't want any of them. You know, I don't, I don't want any of them just like Houston pretty much. And I think Mac Jones gives us better potential for me to want one of these other guys. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just kind of wishing for the unknown, you know, and maybe that's something, there's something there because I just feel like with Cam Newton, we know what you're going to get and it's not a whole lot. Yeah, that's why I'd rather have Cam because I would rather, I'd rather get Cam at the quarterback position for nothing for free and then hope, you know, the passing numbers are, they have to be, if he's okay, they're going to be better than what they were last year. So at least he's now. He's got the greatest hits on repeat today with Odell and Cam. And <laughs> Hey, look, again, I think, I, I, do you disagree about I mean, no, no, no. And I'm not saying this in like, haha, but I, th- I thought you did. You, you, I mean, do you disagree with what happened last year with Cam? Not, be, you know, that's got to play into his performance. What do you mean disagree with? Like, oh, you mean like that he was hurt and like and all that, that? He missed time. You know, the playbook with no preseason, missing time in the middle of the season. That like, we're not throwing it out completely, but that that we, uh, Brand, do you ex- put it this way? If you knew that Cam Newton was starting 16 games, you expect better than last year, don't you? I, I, I guess. I mean, he was. He was hurt and he had, you know, the slow run up to preseason. I expect every, better for everybody. But, you know, there's like, I don't know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, other people like probably have the same excuse. But, you know, if you're a veteran, you kind of you roll. No, with uh, it. And yeah, you, I'm not saying it's a guarantee. It, it, what I was coming back to and what I was going to say is why I disagree with you is because at least if Cam's the starting quarterback, I can go get Cam late and hope he rediscovers sure. his arm and then he still runs we still you mentioned all the rushing touchdowns Beller. uh so you have that you have somebody that could push the qb1 tier it's a lot to ask but i'm just saying he could if mac jones is the starter we don't care about mac jones from a fantasy perspective if mac jones is a starter we barely start to care more you just like you were like oh i might care a little bit more about the receivers so that's what i'm saying is like i feel like whether it's kim whether it's mac we don't care a ton. We we mm-hmm. kind of see Hunter Henry and John who is fringe tight end ones. Maybe they both hit. Maybe Aguilar repeats what he just did with Las Vegas, but even so, that's still wide receiver like four range. Or maybe it's Jacoby Myers, but still also only wide receiver. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like Mac Jones, I agree with you. Makes them all better, but I don't even think he makes them that more relevant to the fact where I think the biggest boost is that if Cam surprises as a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, the the supporting weapons just have to be better this year than they were last year. In addition to the, all the additions that they made to this team last year, you also had Jacoby Myers didn't play till week seven. So right. you get a full season of Jacoby Myers who, you know, no one's going to confuse Jacoby Myers with uh, Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams, but he's a legit piece. He's a legit receiver in that offense. It's going to look a lot better than it did a season ago. So I do think that that's interesting for whoever ends up being the quarterback on this team uh, that you just have a lot. You're going to have way more options in this offense than you did last season. How those options play out in the fantasy world, that remains to be seen. I think the one thing we let's, do know is that let's if play the Nando the starter, you're going to have the, the rushing. Yeah, what's up? We'll play the Nando game. You have to take three receiving weapons from the Patriots or three uh-huh. receiving weapons from the Texans, or you have to sit and poop every time you do your podcast. <laughs> well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to for sure take one of the two teams. Um, I, I don't I think mean, I you think, guys would I like I, if I had to. 
if I was sitting and pooping during the podcast, I don't think you guys would appreciate. It. I'd be fine with it, but you know, no, that's, like, that's that's just that's disgusting. And it sounds like it's, it sounds like if you if that you're going to have some issues. After I'm leaning. The I'm leaning that direction, guys. Yeah. By the way, sounds like See, you're going to have Nando some issues does that. after the podcast. If that's the case, I mean, at least with the Texans, you get Brandon Cooks, right? At least you've got Brandon, Brandon Cooks, Cooks there. who had the Rams offense, the Saints offense, and the Patriots offense in the Brady heyday. So, and Deshaun Watson last year. So yeah. this is a, this will be the litmus test on Brandon Cooks. If he's just <laughs> always good, or if he just has always been in a really, you didn't tell me who your other two from the Texans were. Though. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, at least you get Brandon Cooks. Um, I'll Nico, take, then what? can I take, Nico can I take Collins? David Johnson? I'll take David Johnson. No, can I, take David no Johnson? I said receivers, receivers. <laughs> oh, you can include man. tight ends in the receiving department, but receivers. So, right, so we're basically looking at like Randall Cobb Cooks, and Nico Collins Cooks, and Jordan Cobb Hankins. and Nico Collins. Cooks, Cobb and Nico Collins against what? Uh, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Nelson Myers, Aguilar and, and Jacoby Nelson Myers Aguilar. or take one of the, t- can I do team tight end for the Patriots? Yeah. No, you gotta take both of them. You can't just take. Can't I would take team. both of them and Jacoby Myers probably. <laughs> I lean. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna lean Patriots here. But that, that, that's Patriots. the point, and that's I think that we're kind of what it comes back down to is like even if you the only person in the world, and honestly, you know what? Before Tom Brady left, he he wasn't even doing that much for what he was dealing with either. Like, there's very few quarterbacks that could do anything with that roster right now. Yeah, it's it's totally true. true. It's totally. I mean, we saw that the last year. They were that was a bad offense by the end of the season, a predictable offense. And that game where the Patriots upset or the the Titans upset them in that wild card game two years ago what was that final score like thirteen to ten or so or like you know they had the Logan Ryan had the pick six to end that game, but it was what yeah right like twenty to twenty to ten something like that. A game that never even really felt that close. That Patriots offense has now like put together a season and a half where they have been nothing on the offensive side of the ball. We could be looking at that again this season. I want to talk about the New York Jets for a second here. We were all starting to get pretty excited about Elijah Moore, weren't we? We were feeling it. We were seeing, you know, maybe Jamison Crowder can't work anything out. Jamison Crowder's still a, a valuable guy to a contending team. Maybe they move him out. And then, of course, everything works out. Just yesterday, the Jets and Crowder renegotiate his contract. They come to some sort of agreement. Jamison Crowder is at mandatory minicamp. Is this just total... Cold water for now. Good point. But is this cold water on Elijah Moore completely, Jake? No, but it is. It, well, it is some. Um, look, I think we talked about it. And then we were saying that even if you are a fan of Elijah Moore, where he was going in drafts was starting to get already crazy just because yeah. of, you're forgetting that Corey Davis was brought in. And then whether or not you agree with me on the fact that Corey Davis could struggle being a number one with that kind of attention and facing mm-hmm. Gilmore if Gilmore's around. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about Crowder still being there. We, like I myself thought he would just outright get cut. Uh, this is a different situation. That's why I said for now, because there's yeah. been some reports saying that they re- structuring could lead to a trade instead Mm -hmm. even so we were also forgetting about brandon's boy denzel mims uh it's just Mm -hmm. it's kind of i'm getting what we've done for years and i'm just getting the feeling that once again it's going to be i'm not drafting jets unless it's michael (laughs) carter and that's a completely different conversation because that's the running back situation but yeah, I love Michael Carter, but the Jets wide receivers, I think week in and week out, even if Crowder's gone, we were already looking at the fact that Corey Davis is probably going to be the one that puts up the most beneficial weeks, but Mims would probably factor in. Elijah Moore was going to factor in. People are still doing the Chris Herndon thing to a degree, but it was like, who's it going to be? You're also playing with a rookie quarterback. You're playing with a rookie quarterback in a very tough division, especially for defenses now. Uh, those three defenses alone are uh, top half of the league. 
So I was kind of out to begin with, but if Crowder doesn't leave, you're even more out. And I think Crowder doesn't only hurt Elijah Moore. I think he hurts Denzel Mims too, because there's talk about Denzel Mims running with the twos. And we talk about this all the time. For and I, I got to pivot real quick is don't always read into, oh, he's running with the ones. You can only evaluate players when they run with the ones. Some of these teams are trying to get evaluation on players by putting them with the ones and seeing what they can do. But if you're already putting Mims with the two and he's not running with the ones, says they don't want to evaluate him yet. By the way, I still haven't even thrown out the fact that Keelan Cole has Keelan been out Cole, there. Keelan Cole, I was waiting outside. for the Keelan so, Cole reference to get dropped so, here. This, he's I'm there just, too. I, for, for right, I'll say right now, the only one I'm buying is Jamison Crowder because he's free. He's all the way mm-hmm. down in like what 80s, 90s of wide receivers, uh, but he still might not even be on this team from what some of those rumors are. Yeah, and if he's not on a team, then getting him in that cheap, he's going to some place where he's really wanted, and he'll probably yeah. be plugged into a sizable role right away. Atlanta. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I think the only reason we're having this conversation is because there's reports that. Elijah Moore looked like the, the far and away the best receiver in shorts and non-contact drills and seven on seven. Like that's dumb. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's the same, it's the same thing that we had going into the draft. You know, it's like, there's some stuff that's going to have to be figured out in terms of um, one of these wide receivers is going to probably have to go. And it's probably that he redid his deal just makes it more trade friendly. And so, you know, now they can maybe get a return for him instead of having to outright cut him. Elijah Moore spent some time in college with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. He overlapped with those guys, so maybe he picked a thing or two up from them. What had to put on thirty pounds of muscle and a couple of inches of height? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Right? Iron sharpens iron. How did they, a, How did their quarterback not get himself drafted with that crew? Can I like, say this I real mean, quick? Because they were talking about since the Julio trade, has there been a more physically imposing duo in the NFL history? Yeah. And there's a lot of lists out there, and I think you could argue they're number one. But could you imagine if Metcalf and AJ Brown were on the same? team to get yeah. holy hell yeah it's, the most uh, imposing duo was actually in college yeah, exactly it was, college it was it's, yeah so i'm saying can you imagine back together in the nfl that's ridiculous it was a college team at mississippi right sure a i mean as a, went, as a seahawks fan we'll welcome aj brown they went five and seven that last year with aj brown and dk metcalf his teammates that's like the mettenberger team that he had and it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like odell how are you that bad or odell jarvis uh jeremy hill yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just a te- that's right there when you should have known that Mettenberger was never going to be anything in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't succeed with those guys at the college level. Probably not going to click for you in the NFL. Uh, someone who maybe it has clicked a little bit for, at least in you know what we expect of him, is Nick Mullins. You guys, Nick Mullins making a little bit of news, signing with the Eagles as their backup quarterback. Now, you know, Nick Mullins, fantasy irrelevant until and unless there's an injury to Jalen Hurts. But he's a legitimate backup. We've seen him come in, have to put up some fires for San Francisco, have to start some games for San Francisco. He's competent. He's competitive. That team didn't fall apart when they had to lean on Nick Mullins. And it just has me wondering if we should be questioning Jalen Hurts as a top 10 quarterback only because this is all based on him as a runner. That's the reason why we're talking about Jalen Hurts as a top 10 quarterback. Should there be growth as a passer? Yes. Could there be immense growth as a passer? I think yes. That team should be a lot healthier this season than it was last year. All those things point toward arrow up on Jalen Hurts, and he is going to run, and he's going to run effectively. We know all of that. But his fantasy value is based entirely on what he is going to do as a runner, which is another way of saying that we don't all fully buy in on him as a passer yet. So what if, let's just paint a scenario where the Eagles are like 1-4, and four, and Hurts has just been dreadful throwing the ball. 
Could he be a good fantasy quarterback, but a bad enough real-life quarterback that he gets benched now that they have a legitimate backup in Nick Mullins? Are you looking at that in any way, Jake? No, because I already disagree. That's why I was shaking my head. No, as I actually don't <laughs> think that like, look, I think everybody's crapping way too much on Hertz as a passer. Uh, does he have progression issues? Uh, and that's not well, an assumption that a lot, I'm not making that off the assumption. A lot of people make with quarterbacks like him. Uh, does he have that? But yes, uh, a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of rookie quarterbacks will have that. That's why it's not exclusive to him. Has he also shown and I'm talking about college. Is he also shown, and I'm going to come to the NFL, obviously. Is he shown a great pocket presence and throwing his guys open and placement and how much of a leader he was on top? And I'm, I'm talking purely passer because we know the rushing upside. We don't have to get into that. Um, but we know all that. We also know that the fact that I'm going to go to Emory Hunt, a boy uh, who compared him to Dak Prescott, and I think that's a great comparison. And what I said in my pre-draft write-up is if you're going to compare him to Dak Prescott, which is valid, let's also talk about this. If we knew Dak Prescott was Dak Prescott coming out of college, would he have not gone in the first round inside the top mm-hmm. 15, inside the top 10, much higher? Inside the top three? I mean, there were people who did not want Dak Prescott to get an opportunity when he first came into college or didn't think he deserved one or when he struggled initially, thought he was done for. Were there signs as a passer that he's going to struggle yet last year? Absolutely. Uh, his passer rating, his on target, his completion percentage, his uh, catchable balls, all that concerning. There was also plenty of upside. You don't throw 300 yards two games in a row, uh, even against the worst competition. I don't care who you're facing. Yep. You just don't do what he did in those two games and not be a competent passer. And the reason I keep throwing out and say like competent passer is because I don't think he's going to throw for 4,200 yards and 30 touchdowns. Jalen Hurts doesn't need to. Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. doesn't need to. And I think he's honestly, if you look at a college, could argue has a higher ceiling as a passer. So I'm going to bring in Daniel Jones as I do this conversation every single time. Daniel Jones' season last year didn't even throw for 3,000 yards through, what, 11 touchdowns and a bunch of interceptions. 15 picks, right? Yes. You take Daniel Jones, 2,900 yards and 11 touchdowns, and you add 800 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns, you get QB 12. He could be a miserable passer, and he's going to be, but he's not going to be. And I think that's the, but, that's why I was shaking my head. No, I yeah, don't think he's going to be miserable. I, I think what 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 Beller is saying though is is we know that that that's what the potential is, but is like so so to your point, like could he be good for fantasy but get benched? I think it's possible. I mean, mm-hmm. but I think they're all in on Hurts. If if they're benching yeah. Hurts, that's a that's just like you know that's a doomsday scenario for Philly because that means they don't have their quarterback of the future because it's not Nick Mullins. But I would say for fantasy that if I'm taking Jalen Hurts and I do have him ranked as the top ten uh, fantasy quarterback or maybe eleven, I'm taking I am taking a luxury backup. I am taking either like Trevor Lawrence as like the thirteenth quarterback off the board or Joe Burrow as a top fifteen quarterback as my second. God, I'm taking someone else with upside and I'm making sure I'm just got my bases covered. Cause I don't have a whole lot of faith in Jalen hurts on a week in week out basis being like, he could be an absolute train wreck. We saw it. And I, 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 I still have he a lot also, of questions. He was also put in an offense that wasn't designed for him. This offense yeah. is now designed for him. And this is, and just saying, I, mean, like, I can't even I, remember off the top of my head who was healthy on that team at the end of the year. Like it was Greg, down to Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward. Greg Ward. That, that's, yeah, it was right. Greg Ward again. Greg Ward continues to be the only method. He's the only receiver standing in week 15 every year somehow. <laughs> uh, but Well, I mean, his two top receivers are going to be a rookie and a rookie and a half. I mean, because Jalen Rager basically get, gets a half season. He didn't have a preseason. He right. was hurt for a lot but of it. But we talked so about Jalen Rager, too, about being miscast and not mm-hmm. being an outside number one wide receiver. This 
So you also let's talk about the offensive line too. Offensive yeah. line is part of the reason like Carson teams. Wentz was like limping at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and part of the reason he got benched. Yeah, Carson Wentz was a terrible passer last year for most of it too, because no offensive line, terrible weapons. Even his best, you could argue, being Goddard was banged up for most of the year. And again, Hurts yeah. comes into an offense similar to Lamar Jackson as a rookie. Like the offense wasn't made for him. Now the offense is made for him. I what you're going with, Brandon, is like uh, well, I think we both agree with. They're all in on Hurts. Like if he yeah. doesn't start every single game outside of injury, it's because he bombed and they're thinking elsewhere in next year's draft. Yeah, I it's think reset time. I think he's yeah. a good enough passer that that doesn't happen now that he has an offense built around him and the weapons are healthy. Yeah, and I'm still I'm somewhere in the middle on whether on whether I believe he's a good enough passer. We'll see. I'm, I'm like, more I'm shocked not, that I'm they saying... cut Jamie Newman to bring in Nick Mullins. That was my thing. That kind of tells <laughs> me like maybe Joe Flacco's not healthy. Like I don't know what you're doing that yeah. for. Yeah, yeah it, good point. It's definitely yeah. possible. It's definitely possible. And I'm still, I'm, I'm with. I just wanted to have this conversation, but I am, I am in on Jalen Hurts as a top ten quarterback. I think your point is well taken there too, Brandon. That you might want to back him up quicker than you back up your quarterback typically, just in case, because you can still get. I mean, if we're just going by NFFC ADP right now, Jalen Hurts is number ten. Matthew Stafford's number eleven. Aaron Rodgers is number twelve. I gotta believe there's some uncertainty as to his status involved in that. So if we we can put him to the side, but then you've got Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, uh, and then it starts to fall off a little bit. I think we would all agree that Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield starts to take a little bit of a dip at that. Point. Yeah, so I, do I want think I want Lawrence. I want Lawrence or Burrow if I'm yeah. taking Hurts. That's kind of who I'm looking at. Because then we're getting into like the that. I'm not sure if it even exists, sort of a, um, that mythic streamer group of guys yeah. where, like, in theory, those of us in the industry sit around and say, yeah, week three, Kirk Cousins, you can stream him. But in most people's leagues, everyone owns a backup quarterback to begin with. So maybe that's it's not actually possible. Because it, it's, it's doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> Every single league, at least, ha- even industry, I, look how many industry leagues we do. In the flex mm-hmm. leagues, look how many te- like half the league still drafts a second quarterback. So you're out super 18. Super flex, yeah. super flex, super well, flex. I mean, that's another conversation altogether. <laughs> uh, let's have another conversation right now. Let's have it in the NFC East, though, and keep it here and go with the Dallas Cowboys. Amari Cooper, they're already saying uncertain for the start of training camp because of an ankle issue that cropped up a couple of weeks ago. Hasn't run for two weeks. At the time, they said he probably wouldn't run for another two or three weeks. And Amari Cooper, a veteran, a guy who doesn't need training camp. He just needs training camp to maybe make sure the legs are fresh, the legs are healthy, he's good to go. The dude doesn't need to take a competitive snap in the uh, preseason. I think we all agree on that. What I would maybe be a little bit concerned with is just wide receiver, ankle, foot injuries who don't get a ton of time to warm up before the season. Do they lag to start the season? You've got a Dallas offense that won't rely on him if it doesn't need to because of CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, all these options that they're going to have offensively. And that's where I start to get a tiny bit, just a tiny bit for now. Maybe it'll be a little more in the next uh, month or two, but just a tiny bit concerned right now because I would like to see him fully up to speed by week one. He's the wide receiver at 17 by ADP right now, sandwiched in between Robert Woods and Chris Godwin. And like, if we don't see any of him and they're still talking about, yeah, he's going to play week one, but the ankle's been a problem. I find it hard to take him at that ADP. Uh, where are you at on this, Brandon? Yeah. If we, I mean, we're, we're June 15th. If we're still talking about an ankle being an issue in August 15th, uh, you know, and I'm not going to start drafting in earnest for any leagues that I care about until after that date. Mm-hmm. If, if that's still an issue and they're still talking about, he could be week one. It's yeah. I, I mean, 
there's no way I'm not moving him down. Um, but it seems like there's plenty of run-up time for this to get healthy and to become a non-factor and something we're not talking about by mid-August. But uh, I guess we have to let this one play out a little bit. Yeah, the fact that he's coming out of OTAs already with the surgery being yeah. in hindsight, that, that, that's kind of that's a little bit concerning for the fact that, you know, this isn't like he just had surgery type of situation. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't even say August 15th, Brandon. I said if we're still talking about this late July – uh, then we start to be a little bit concerned, and I about think when it, about when camps open up. Yeah, mm-hmm. so if he, you know the next camp situation opens up, and I, I agree with you, Beller, like doesn't need to be out there. Uh, you want to, you would like to see some reps with Dak because Dak missed yep. a lot of the season, just to see them, you know, get that rapport back that they probably it hasn't gone anyway. You just you just want the reps. Um, if we get back to the camp in July, and now he's still not out there, then I'm going to be more concerned. I'm not concerned as of today. You know how much I love C.D. Lamb. He let off my breakout wide receivers, and what did I say when that happened? His ADP was gonna like it's gonna be comp cost prohibitive. It's already I, getting there. You tell me wide receiver. I wanted 13. to bring that back up. I wanted to bring it back up, even though we already talked about it. I couldn't believe it. Wide receiver it's, thirteen right now in ADP. And I love I, C.D. Be honest, I love him. But that, that's that might not even be its peak if Amari's not out there at the end of July. It might even climb higher. But the the appealing one here is comes that like I don't like drafting Amari Cooper. But if you're gonna start giving him around wide receiver twenty, yes. start taking him there. Uh-huh. As of today, that's what I'm saying. As of today, I'm not concerned. But the interesting thing is too is I do think Michael Gallup is going to be inconsistent. But at the same time, you're gonna drop him all down to wide receiver forty seven. And then if Cooper does miss time, like wide receiver wide receiver forty seven feels like the floor for Gallup, let alone if Cooper misses time. Let's just say that it, it happens that Amari Cooper just isn't ready to start the season, ends mm-hmm. up missing like September, slow playing into October, and, 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 you know, essentially gets in half of a season. How high are you in that kind of scenario? Would you be pushing up CeeDee Lamb? I don't think he's going to. I mean, I'm looking at my wide receivers right now. How high uh, can you push at, him? I mean, if you. That's, that's what I'm saying. At 13, I have McLaurin. I'm still taking McLaurin. Like, unless Cooper yeah. was. Done, like you said. Hey, Cooper's not coming back this year. I would take C.D. Lamb, uh, but that's right about. Yeah. And now we're talking in front of him, Allen Robinson and Keenan Allen. Uh-huh. I'm not taking him over those guys. Right. Hopkins, Michael Jefferson, Thomas, Justin yeah. Jefferson. Yeah, your boy Metcalf. I mean, are we really going to push him <laughs> over those guys? And he's already at that level right now. <laughs> I, I think the big winner if Cooper doesn't play isn't C.D. Lamb because he's Michael already Gallup. being priced up. Yeah, it's, it's Michael Gallup. Gallup. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's Gallup without question. And I, I think the Gallup stuff that uh, we're talking about makes a lot of sense. The one thing that I pull back from is like last year before Dak got hurt, Gallup wasn't getting a ton of opportunity in that offense early on in the season. He had five targets week one, five week two. Week three, he popped on nine targets against the Seattle Seahawks, six grabs, 138 yards and a touchdown, five week four, and then four week five. That was the week that uh, – He kind of turned into Marquise uh, Brown. Got hurt. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, just remember Cam Cam threw for like 400 yards against the early season Seahawks as That's well. So we'll just throw that Seahawk one out of there. So. <laughs> he threw for 400 yards three weeks in a row. Like, <laughs> it, 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 it feels like the like unless something dramatically changes in their offense, the targets are not really going to get more than like five per game for Gallup. Uh, so long as all three of those guys are healthy. So that's, that's where it comes in. But I do think with where he's going, wide receiver 47 right now, 120 overall, that's a totally appropriate spot to dive in on Michael Gallup. Someone at a much higher draft slot is Saquon Barkley. And this is another thing that we've talked about, the potential of the Giants slow playing things with him coming back from the ACL this year. Saquon himself 
non-committal for week one. Uh, I don't know if this was just yesterday or over the weekend, but uh, he's already said that, uh, you know, we'll take it as it comes and see where the health is as uh, training camp progresses and all that. When do we get worried? In this situation, and I think it's maybe a different spot because we're now talking about a guy who's got a couple of injuries, significant injury last year, and still getting drafted very highly. Right now, he has slipped a little bit in ADP over the last week or so. He's down to eight behind Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, and Travis Kelsey. Next up, Austin Eckler, Cam Akers, Tyreek Hill, Najee Harris. You get into that group of guys. When do we start getting worried enough about Saquon Barkley, Jake, that we're pushing him behind that next group of guys? Week one. <laughs> so, so not until then. So, I, so draft not, season, you're good. Because I'm going to go back to like the Le'Veon Bell situation when he was suspended going into the season. And we kind of jokingly said, well, that's fine because we just wanted to be healthy. Ezekiel Elliott, like just don't get hurt. Like it, you talk about, we we're talking about Mari Cooper is like, we don't need to see him before week one to know that he can play. You can throw that even more onto running backs. We don't need to see yeah. running backs. And the biggest thing that running backs, and you can talk about rookies, is the fact that a lot of it usually has to do with assignments. It's not even the fact that, oh my God, they're going to struggle behind knowing what this offensive line is going to do. Obviously, more reps can never hurt as long as you don't get hurt. <laughs> but yeah, as long you know, as they don't literally hurt. Right. Bar- <laughs> Barkley, I'm not worried about. You know, even if he's brought along slowly, maybe week one, two, and three, he gets 14 touches instead of 20 then that's fine because I just want Barkley healthy at the end of the season on top of it. Like that's the thing is like, I'd rather give up a little bit of value at the beginning of the season than at the end for anybody, for everybody out there, go back to Dalvin cook, Dalvin cook at the beginning of the season when he was brought, that's actually probably the best example. Dalvin cook wasn't until about what week five that year before he was really Dalvin cook. And if you told me that right now, you said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have Barkley hundred percent by week five, going to be a little bit frustrating to start. I'd still take him as the third running back behind Cook. Maybe fourth, depending on your scoring and whether which way you want to go. But he's still going there for me. So unless we get down to the end of draft season, it's going to be too late at that point. And they're like, oh, man, he might even be benched for the first week just to make sure that I'm, I'm no concern. Yeah, I mean, we don't draft for September. And then you get the full Barkley for the final three months. I mean, you know, I have <laughs> full Barkley. Um, I am at number six right now, but I, I will say – that um, look at he had an ACL injury, right? And it was week two, week two. And yep. you know, Adrian Adrian Peterson, what was he in his late twenties when he had like a an ACL injury, like at the very end of the year, and he was back in week one. Like, mm-hmm. it just, doesn't that seem a little bit weird for someone as young as Barkley that that we're talking about this as sort of like it's iffy that he'll be ready to go for week one. Like that's almost three I mean, months away still. I think it's also a different I, style. Is, with yeah. how different how, style of injury? No, different style of how he runs on his legs, and that's that's you could talk about how much more lateral movement that he puts on his knees versus the way that Adrian Peterson runs. I'm just I'm not I'm, yeah, but I'm not a doctor. Was I'm, violent, violent, and he moved his legs a lot. No, I know. Like, I'm I, just I'm just speculating why maybe they're being more cautious. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, and I don't. Well, that's why I'm just like speculating that it's weird that there's this not a slam dunk that he'll be ready. Like it, typically with these ACL injuries over the last Inside several injuries, years, we should ask them. Yeah, we should. We should. What's going on? What, what could be the concern above and beyond the normal ACL injury, which guys have been coming back from a lot faster than this. Uh, maybe it's also obfuscation on their part. Maybe they just don't want to get too far in front of it just in case something happens or they see no reason to be completely truthful with the world on June 15th, uh, this far out from the start of the season. I, I think that could be a play here too. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And again, you know, we're talking about it on June 15th and don't do your drafts until August, <laughs> you know, and you'll yes. have a lot better information by then.
Yes, absolutely. So you guys are both in the camp of so long as he is playing week one, I'm cool with where he is right now. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Kind of the same thing with Joe Burrow, right? We're yeah. all in the same same train with Joe Burrow. Like kind of talking the same. They hope he's ready for week one. Yeah, we're, we're feeling pretty good about Joe Burrow in general for 2021. Definitely. All right, let's wrap things up with a with uh, with our uh, guess that player, our mystery player. Uh, so the first two clues, I will go over them once more. Clue number one, I have a new offensive coordinator this season. Clue number two uh, is I've topped 200 touches once in my four-year career. Here is clue number three. Um, oh, get out of the way. I had a little pop-up there. Get out of the way, little Google Docs <laughs> pop-up. Clue number three. Among running backs who played in both 2019 and 2020, so a little bit of a thing there, I'm eighth and half PPR points per game in those two seasons. So, you know, no one who was a rookie basically in 2020 is what I'm getting at there. Among running backs who played in 2019 and 2020, I'm eighth and half PPR points per game over the last two seasons. I have a new offensive coordinator this year. I've topped 200 touches once in my four-year career. Who is our guess that player? Austin Eckler. Bingo! Austin Eckler is the guy here. I love Austin Eckler this season, guys. I mean, I, man, I mean, I know we're like, we could, we could, you know, read too much into Joe Lombardi going to the Chargers, but I don't care. I want to read all that. I want to read into that and then some. I love Austin Eckler this season. Well, I think the the thing that you can love is that there's not a bunch of, uh, high volume wide receiving or tight end targets. There's one it's Keenan Allen. And then Mike Williams is kind of a big play guy. Uh, Jerry cooks kind of the same way. doesn't get a ton of volume. Um, that could be Eckler. That could be Eckler literally filling the Alvin Kamara role where you're, if you play 16 games, he might push a hundred catches. I think that's legit. So I see why you love it. I think I see why you love him. I get it. There's, I think that there could be a, I think there's a top five, maybe a top three season in him with things. I mean, obviously things would have to go his way a little bit, but like, and I'm not taking okay. him as a, I'm not taking him as a number yeah. top three. That's, that top was five. my question yeah. is, okay, you think he has top five, top three potential. Where, where are you taking him in a draft? Like the only people who I would like guarantee are going to be better than him are McCaffrey and Delvin Cook. Um, I want to know as a Wisconsin guy if you're willing to take him ahead of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I mean, I like I want to be. I want to be willing to take him over Jonathan <laughs> Taylor. I just feel like everything is set up so well for Jonathan Taylor with that offense and what we saw from him over the second half of last season. I think you can make an argument that Jonathan Taylor has an one of the if not the safest floor maybe behind McCaffrey and I'm not going to throw injuries into the mix here but one of the safest floors, I think, belongs to Jonathan Taylor. Probably not the ceiling of all those guys who he's getting drafted around, but an incredibly safe floor. But, man, I mean, I would not be – like, if you – Austin Eckler as a top three running back would not shock me this season. Well, the problem is is Eckler is going to go probably 100% in the 10 to 14 range overall. Yes. And so if you're sitting there at nine or eight, you know, there's just no chance you're getting him on the comeback. So you have to make that, you have to make the call if you're willing to reach one or two picks early in, in round one. I think I am very comfortable going with him over like the top receivers, Travis Kelsey, Cam Akers, Najee Harris, Nick Chubb. Like that's, that's a relatively easy selection for me to go Eckler personally. Yeah. I, I mean, full PPR, a hundred percent half PPR. I'd say, you know, still working that out, but Jake, nothing, I mean, nothing. 
I missed all yeah. your great Eckler stuff. Can you just summarize it for me in like a, a sentence no, or two? No, it was basically Brandon summarized it already. And then I was talking about the fact that Barkley was being like an annoying kid and kept bugging me while we were on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. While you were messed up, we had like about 1% Austin Eckler yeah. talk. I'm trying to look at the camera that I have over there for when I'm not home. And it's because she keeps walking back and forth and I don't know what the hell she's doing. <laughs> oh my God. What a, a perfect moment, right? I've got a headphone snafu. <laughs> The dog Barkley comes in after hearing all of our Saquon Barkley chat, wanting to get in on the fun. It's just, it's really a perfect podcast moment and a perfect time for us, I think, to sign off on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are back with you next week. You can get in the door uh, at the Athletic, three ninety nine a month, theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod. For Jake and Brandon, I am Michael Beller. We'll talk to you in a week. See ya.